0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11.6. Thank you. I'm going to start today off a a verse that we kind of ended last Sunday with. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, why don't you read that with me? We'll throw throw that on the screen. There we go. You ready? One, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I thought what Devin did in the offering time was an amazing, powerful word. It's a now-time word. Amen. Amen. We serve a God of increase. You know, people that think that God just wants you to, to stay where you're at, but He wants you to keep serving Him, miss out on this verse. Today, I want to talk about the rewarder. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Every Christian should have a desire to please God. Amen. Yeah. This is not about pleasing yourself, it's about pleasing God. Right. If your life is all about just you and what you can consume, the Bible says that Jesus said it, that when a person lives their life trying to keep their life, they'll lose it. But when someone gives up their life for me and the gospel sake, they're going to find true life, Amen. one translation says. True life. Not just breathing in and out. Just not paying bills and going through and dealing with problems and people. No, a quality of life that Jesus referred to in John 10. 10 the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. That's a zoe is the Greek word. It's a quality of life. It's a quality of life. People also refer to eternal life. Some think that eternal life means you're going to live forever. I'm here to tell you, eternal life doesn't mean that you're going to live forever. You will live forever regardless. It just depends on what zip code you're going to be living. Can I get an amen? Either heaven or hell. But there's a quality to God's life that he has for us that should cause us to shine differently than those who don't have it though they try to emulate light they cannot be the light that comes from heaven though they might emulate emotion and energy and success and and money they cannot have the substance that comes only from god even in blessing people can look rich but be so in debt that they're stressing out or they can have a lot of money but they're so unhappy that they don't know what to do God says, I'll give you power to get wealth, and I'll not add any sorrow to it. So the quality of life that God has not only includes finances, but it so far exceeds finances because if it was all about money, if money only made you happy, then everybody with a lot of money would be happy, and yet they're all drugged up, drunk, in divorce court, messing around, messing up. Are you with me? You can watch it on the news. But there's a quality of life where God can give you those things that you want. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that the world is even wanting, God can add it to you. But when he adds it to you, he gives you a grace to handle it and a peace to enjoy it. Paul told Timothy, tell those who are rich in this world not to trust in the uncertain riches, but in the living God who richly gives us all things to enjoy. So there's a way to have something and not stress out about the things you have. Amen. There's, there's a way to have responsibility, Habakkuk 3, that He will cause our feet to be like Heinz feet, the Amplified Translation, and that we will move forward at high levels of responsibility. That you can actually have positions of authority and responsibility and not be overwhelmed by the weight of the responsibility that God's given you. You do it the world way, and they are stressing out. And because they're stressing out, they take everything they can to try to calm themselves because they're stressing out of what they are trying to do. But when you do it God's way, He has a way of giving you grace. Say, Thank you, Father, for your grace. Say, Thank you, Father, for your grace. He is a rewarder. Of those who diligently seek Him. Yes. I think one of the benefits we're going to have, when you go into an extended fast, you need to have the mindset, on: you're not punishing yourself. You're just not doing it to look like a good person. You're doing it so that you come out different. Amen. I want to be rewarded. Well, you know, it doesn't always have to be about rewards. Well, if I want to please God, I must believe that He is a rewarder. Yes. Yes. See where the See how the devil can shift things just a little, and it looks right, but it's just religious, and religion will kill you. Yep. We're not into religion. We're The way I define it, I define religion as man's rules to get to God. We're into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's why you have to challenge everything with the Word of God, no matter who says it. No matter if I say it, no matter if the guy on TV says it, or the person you know with title says it, challenge everything with the Word of God. Because the devil works on deception, subtle deception, and he can almost get to where you're thinking, oh, it'd be wrong for me to believe for more, to do more, to have more, to help more people. I just need to be content with where I'm at. Well, Paul says, whatever situation. Yeah, be content, but it doesn't mean that you stay there. Right. See, some people, and the balance is that is Some people are so driven, that they're, they're never satisfied with what God's doing. They're never grateful because they're so driven for more that all they think about is the more. Right. So they begin to chase after the things and not after the one who gives all things. Right. For he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yeah. Thank you for those three agreements and claps. Thank you. God bless you. For God, the Bible says He's given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. And so there's a balance. God wants us to work. Faith without works is dead. But He doesn't want us to be working because we're trying to achieve something without Him. Right. But we begin to realize He's our source. And as He directs and guides you in your business, in your marriage, in your home, in your family, all of a sudden you begin to realize, wait a minute, God is bringing the increase. I'm just simply obeying the instruction. God is doing the work. I'm just doing the obedience. I'm just removing the stone. He's raising the dead. I'm just dropping a hook. He's bringing the fish with the coin. I'm just dropping the net. He's bringing the increase. Do you see the difference? Because we can over exhaust like Peter did. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. But at your word, at his word, not at everybody's word. Not at somebody's word, not at the trending word, but at the word of God, what God is speaking through His word to you. At your word, I'll obey. And he did what seemed impossible, unlikely in the time that he did it because Peter was a professional fisherman. And a professional fisherman knows when the best time, where the best place. Come on, how many fishermen we have in the house? Men and women. How many people that know, hey, this is my spot I don't tell anybody about it because I don't want to, you think fish just stop spawning or stop, you know I mean, reproducing or stop showing up. No, this is my spot. Don't tell anybody about my secret spot. They have a spot. They know a place. They know a time. They have the bait. They have the lure. They have the line. They have it all figured out. And when you have it all figured out and God says, do it a little differently. Well, Lord, it doesn't work that way. I have figured the system out. If you look through Scripture, the Lord loves messing with people who think they have it all figured out. Right? I mean, Peter was a professional fisherman, and those two examples I gave you were literally messing with Peter's head. How many times before he dropped a hook and caught a fish with a coin in his mouth, how many times do you think that ever happened? Never. It doesn't work that way. Look to your neighbor and say, it doesn't work that way. Come on, look to the other neighbor and say, I'm serious. It really doesn't work that way. You don't go fishing and find coins. You don't drop a net in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, and catch a a bounty that's so big that it's going to break the net. Why does Jesus do it? Because he wants to know if we're willing to trust him enough. Right to do something that doesn't make sense in our natural mind because we think we're experts in our field. And he'll say, let me take you who are experts and I'm going to ask you to do something that will bring a great harvest, but I'm going to ask you to do it in a way that you know, you know, you know, without a shadow, without any questions, without any doubt, you know it's not supposed to work that way. Right. I mean, God will ask you to give when you're asking for increase. That doesn't work that way. It does in his kingdom. God will ask you to drop a net when it doesn't, you're not supposed to catch fish at this time. It works his way. God will ask you to remove a stone. And you're thinking, it's only going to get worse from here. Lord, he smells. It's been four days. We know what happens after four days. He is decomposing. It is not good. God didn't ask them to raise the dead. He just asked them to obey the instruction. And when they obeyed, what did they get? They have a reward. See, he's a rewarder. Of me. me. Not just because you did it, but because you obey them. That's the danger. We we can strive after the reward and not the rewarder. And when you strive after the reward, you want the results, but you don't want the instruction. But it's when you obey the instruction that connects you to the reward. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches of glory. That's not what the scripture says. Paul said to them, My God shall supply all of your needs. My God, your need. Why? Because they had sown into his ministry. And their obedience of sowing into his ministry connected them to his revelation. So my God, the revelation I have of God and him being El Shaddai, the provider, the shepherd, my God, out of that connects you. Now you can access what I have in revelation. You can have the benefit. Do you see the difference? As long as we're praying, my God shall supply all of my needs, we're missing it. Because it didn't say, my God shall supply all of my needs. It says, my God shall supply all of your needs. But there is a subtle instruction, but the subtle instructions from the Word are always the key element for victory. So if I'm not seeing the victory, maybe I need to back up and say, Lord, give me the subtle instruction. I must have missed it because I thought I was doing it because I keep trying to get it. I'm trying to get it, but I'm not getting it because He's more than a rewarder. He wants you to receive the reward that He's got for you, that He has for you. Do you see my point? He can raise Lazarus, but as long as the, the stone is in position, he, they can't see Lazarus. Right. Wait, 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 let me back up here. You can, you can know that he's blessed you, but until you materialize it and have it in your hands, you just know that it's an idea, but not materialize it in the flesh. Right. Right. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, John 1, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Verse 14, and dwelt amongst us. First John, one tells us, and we beheld, we heard we beheld, and we handled with our hands. I'm a firm believer that what God's promised, it's not supposed to stay as the idea of a promise. He wants you to not only inherit it, He wants you to be able to release it, and you can't release what you don't have, and you right. can't have what you don't receive, and you can't receive it until you hear. Faith comes by hearing, Romans ten seventeen. God wants us to live a life that where we shine and demonstrate His goodness so that what He has promised to you, that it, as a reward, as part of being His child, that all of a sudden you have the ability to access it so that you can share it. Amen. Not only take care of your stuff, but help other people. Yes. I don't know about you, I think the, the world needs a lot more joy. Amen. And they're looking for it, in, and they need a lot more peace. And they'll look for it in drugs, they'll look for it in alcohol, they'll look for it every place. Why? Because many people in the church don't have peace to share it. Come on, come on. But if we begin to access the peace that belongs to us through Him and only Him, my peace I give you, His joy, the joy of the Lord is, is our When we begin to access what belongs to us, then we can not only enjoy it, we can share it. God wants you to enjoy the reward, but He wants you to share the reward. God wants you to enjoy the reward, but He wants you to share the reward. God wants you to receive it so you can release it. Are you listening to me? Yeah. You're not just supposed to get it so you have enough. No. He, he has anointed your head with oil. Right. Your cup runs over. Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you to be a blessing. You're to be a silo of what God's provided so you can be a releaser to people who need it. Amen. Not only have it for your own benefit, and God doesn't want you to not receive for your own benefit because it says muzzle not the ox, it treads out the corn, which means that if you're a part of it and God's working through you, you get the benefit too for yourself. But it doesn't just stay with you. It Say, it doesn't stop with me. Come on, say, it doesn't stop with me. Low engine. It doesn't stop with me. Come on, I'm going to work you. Say doesn't stop with me. Stop. See, if I'm going to be a receiver of the reward, I have to be a releaser of the reward. Because all of us, we can read that he's the rewarder, but if you sit and never see the reward received, something's missing. We're missing a subtle, we're missing a subtle instruction somewhere in the process that enables us to not only hear about it, to not only celebrate it, to not only talk about it, but have the ability to access it and begin to have it and materialize it so that other people that don't know him, that have no spiritual discernment, can see it for themselves. Amen. People that don't know God need to see it for themselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, and 2 Corinthians two fourteen. They need to see it for themselves. A lot of times, don't get me wrong, nobody here in church world corporately, if we're not careful, we become where we're just talking it and we never walk it. God just not only wants you to talk it, and we need to talk it. There's power in your words. But we need to be able to receive it. And begin to release it yes. so that other people can know that he is real. Yes. What would happen if all of a sudden you, you're walking down the hallway and the presence of God is on your life and God begins to say, just greet that person or talk to him or pray with them." And all of a sudden, somebody who was rattled becomes calm. Someone who felt unloved and broken becomes healed. Amen. He's healed the brokenhearted. Yes. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. Acts ten twenty eight. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. He went about doing good, yes. healing. He went about doing what? Good. He went about doing what? Good. He went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil. Amen. Amen. Surely, wait a minute. What? Surely, goodness. He went about doing. good. Surely, goodness. And mercy will follow us all the days of our life. A lot of times that's preached that goodness and mercy is coming to you. But that's not what that verse said. Because if it said goodness and mercy was coming to you, it would eventually arrive. But it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you. So follow means behind me. Behind me, how long? For the rest of my life. So all of a sudden, goodness and mercy is not trying to pursue me. Goodness and mercy is coming from me. I want you to see your life that wherever you go, you don't need to leave destruction and distraction and confusion and brokenness. No, you can do good because of God's presence. You're a receiver of the reward. Now, wherever you go, you can release the good in the lives of other people, and when people want to know where you've been, they don't have to look where the people are crying. They look at the people that are being blessed. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness, goodness, he went about doing good. Surely good things will follow me. You can see where God has been based on what he has done. Amen. Yeah. Mm. See, I'm a receiver of the reward. I'm a receiver of the reward. I'm a of the reward. Yes. What is the subtle? What's one of the subtle instructions that we need from heaven to enable us to receive the reward that our Father has? Well, I don't need much. Wait a minute. We just read the key verse here is that without faith it's impossible to what? Please God. Well, I want to please God. Okay, then one of the things in it, not the only thing, but one of the things in that verse to please God is we must believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So if I believe it, then I'm going to obey it. Believing is just not a mental agreement. it's It's a revelation that's in your spirit to the point that changes the way you not only see it, talk about it, but the way you act in life. If I say I believe it and don't live it, then I'm not believing it. I'm just talking it. Right. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Well, if you're not living for him, you really don't believe. But the Bible says even demons believe in him and tremble. Now. Yeah. But there's no obedience. Right. Jesus said, why do you call me master? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I ask? So action's tied to what we really believe. I can say I believe it, but if I'm not following through with action, there's no true belief. I'm just giving lip service. I'm only just saying it, and there's no revelation to it. But if I believe it, then I'm going to obey. I'm going to walk this out. And I'm going to go with expectation that when I'm obeying him, God's going to do something amazing in my life so he could do something even more amazing through my life. It doesn't stop with you. It doesn't stop with me. It's for the benefit of other people. Because he's going around. He wants us to go around and do good, destroying the works of the devil and healing and helping and seeing people get saved and seeing people get fed and seeing people being clothed and seeing people being encouraged and seeing people be ministered. Are you with me? What am I trying to do? I'm trying to position us to a place to begin to receive what God has for us. Because I can say like we did last week that this year, and I believe it with all my heart, that this year is a year of El Shaddai, 2023. This is going to be a year where you begin to see God bring back. You have been fighting for the past few years, struggling to survive or get ahead. But this year is going to be different. Say this, say this year is going to be different. This year is going to be different. And for us to know it and to receive it, we have to be skilled in receiving what God has for us. Right. Right. See, a lot of times in the church world, we just think if we have a desire, we should get it. No, a desire is not enough. Right. If a desire is enough, then when God was building his temple in the Old Testament, he would say, Moses, get anybody who wants to do it. Solomon, get any, when Solomon's building his temple. Get anybody who wants to do it. No, God said, I will send you the skilled people. Right. We think a passion of a desire is enough to override our skill. God said, no, I want you to be skilled. Right. I believe God wants us to be skilled in receiving. Amen. Yep. Some of us have worked really hard at being skilled in sowing, and that's important. Yep. But if we haven't learned to be skilled in receiving, we could see the harvest die on the vine, Malachi 3. All right, all right, all right. We can see the fruit that's been produced by our seed, and we can watch it rot. Because we didn't know how to harvest what God had provided. Right. Are you listening to me? Yes. I am a firm believer, and I've said it before, and I'm gonna say it again. The, the word of God is true. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen. Jesus, the word of God says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What a man sows, he shall reap. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? Hebrews tells us that Abraham sowed or gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Representing, and the whole context is about tithing to Jesus, being under a new covenant. Well, tithing is of the old covenant. It is under the old covenant. It's under every covenant. That's what they don't tell you. Tithing is a part of every covenant. Yeah. It's in the Adamic covenant. God said to Adam, what? I'm giving you the whole garden. Enjoy it, and I want you to manage it. But there's one tree that belongs to me. You can manage it, but you can't consume it. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a tithe. I'm putting something in your hands, I want you to manage it, but I want you to know part of it belongs to me, don't consume it. And it represents a covenant. In the New Testament, there's a new covenant. Jesus didn't come out of the tribe of of Levi. Because it was the tribe of Levi, the priest, that could only receive the tithe, Hebrews 7 and 8, that could only receive the tithe for the Old Testament. And Paul goes into a great dissertation about that, that Melchizedek represents not having beginning nor end, represents Jesus, the great high priest who has neither beginning nor end. And Jesus didn't come out of the tribe of the Levites. He came out of the tribe of Judah. And he goes into that how could he receive the tithe unless there's a newer and better covenant. Right. And though we give to man on earth, it goes and represents to what God, what he sees and he receives in heaven. Amen. So when people tell you, tie I'm not trying to, we're not taking up another offering. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. That's why I don't try to teach this and get you to be moved emotionally and then try to get you to give because later you're like, he's just manipulated money out of me. We don't manipulate money out of people. We give money. We actually tell people if they need money, take cash out of the offering bucket. Yeah. We give, we give, we give because what you sow, you shall reap. reap. So we're trying to get it into your hands. And if someone tells you tithing's not, that's Old Testament, it is an Old Covenant. But it is also every covenant. The Abrahamic Covenant, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Why did I say that? Because some of us have learned to be good sowers, but we've not learned to be skilled at reaping. And if I learn to sow but not reap, I can produce a harvest but never enjoy the benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah. Say so he's, he's the rewarder. Do you think your heavenly father wants to be a rewarder so he can have the title of being a rewarder and not reward you? No. Think about that. No, he wants you to be rewarded. It doesn't have to match the reward of anybody else. People will get all caught up and they'll get into the, the, the bling and the, the shiny things. Keep your focus on him. Amen. But begin to live and look with expectation that as I obey you, Father God, as I set this time apart for you, Father God, as I begin to press into you, Father God, as I spend time coming to church, as I read the Bible, as I spend time praying, as I spend time fasting, Lord, I'm doing it because I want to know you. And I know in knowing you, you're also going to reward me. You're gonna, you are going to blow my socks off. He is going to embarrass you with his goodness. Amen. Say, embarrass me with your goodness, Father God. He is going to embarrass you with his goodness. Because there is none good but one, Jesus said. Don't call me good, master. There is none good but one, and that's the Father. He delights in the prosperity of his servants, the Bible says. He has a joy. You say, well, I've tried it before. Maybe you've tried sowing, but you haven't learned the skill of reaping. Well, what's the importance of that? I just, it just backs up. It just shows up. They just offer it to me. Not always. Yeah. You have to be skilled yeah. to receive what God has for you. Amen. Mm. In 2 Kings chapter 4, are you with me? Yes. I want to talk about one of the secret instructions that help us receive. We did a whole series on this passage and after doing four or five weeks in this passage, you'd think we'd be through this passage. And yet again, the Holy Spirit reveals something different. In the context, let's keep the, take the verse off for a second. Let me set up the context, then we'll get into the verse. In the context, there is a widow woman, a.k.a. her husband died. Theologians tell us what happened is he had been going into debt because there was a famine. He was going into debt feeding the prophets in the, the school of the prophets. He died, there was no way to pay back the debt, and in those days, when there was no bankruptcy court. And what happens is, they would, creditors would come, and if you could not pay, they could take your children to be slaves. Yeah. So she finds herself, her husband was doing a good thing, and they find themselves in a bad situation. And she goes to the prophet, and that's why she'll, she'll say in there, you know my husband. The prophet of God was not ignorant of who he was, that he was a good man. He was helping them. He is dead, and now the creditors have come to take my son. We know the story that he told her to go get some, what do you have, go get some pots, and go inside the house with your sons and begin to pour. And as she poured, the oil multiplied. And as it multiplied, it filled each pot to the, to the brim. And she cried out to her, one of her sons, read this on your own time, bring me more pots. And our son said, there is no more. Now, we don't know really from context if there was no more of the, in the city or if there's just no more that they thought of getting. Because somehow in the journey of obedience, the excitement and adrenaline wears off. Come on, somebody. Maybe if you got that fifth pot and you drug that sucker all the way back home and you're wondering, what are we doing? You're like, "Do we get any more? You look at your other brother, mm, I think that should be good enough. But somewhere in the mix, she cried out for more pots as the oil was multiplying, and he said, there is no more in the pot, and the Bible says that the oil stopped. Now, we did a whole series on, I don't believe, and you can disagree, I don't believe that the oil stopped because the pots stopped. I believe the oil stopped because she stopped pouring. She stopped pouring because her perspective was, if there's no more pots, why pour? And we did a whole series on, there's oil in the streets. Because if she would have kept pouring, it would have poured down only into the pots to the brim. It would have went over the pots. It could have, I mean, think about it. Who's multiplying this? God. What do you think God said I can't do anymore? She could have poured, she could have had oil running down the streets. All she had to do is keep positioning herself to pour regardless of the container. And it would have just kept pouring. And we did a whole series on the importance of not only focusing on God to receive this benefit to you, but also releasing it to other people. Amen. Amen. See, there's oil in the streets. In the street. God just doesn't want to see miracles happen in the house of God, which is a great place for miracles and people get saved and people be ministered to. To me, some of the coolest testimonies is people that are out in the highways and byways, just in the routine of life. And they say, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. I was at work. And I just felt impressed to to talk to this person. Or I I went to visit him at a hospital, and I had a chance to to, uh, lead him to the Lord. One of my dear friends who's a member of the church called me. He had a a member, excuse me, a a guy at work that he really wasn't close with but was in the hospital. And the guy wasn't saved. The guy wasn't a church attender. He wasn't even close to being a Christian. And he went to visit him just out of respect. And he was talking to him. And all of a sudden, he kind of encouraged him. He said, hey, can I pray with you? And the guy said, sure. And he prayed a simple prayer. And he said, as he began to walk away, he felt the Holy Spirit saying, don't, don't stop, finish it, finish it. And compelled by the Holy Spirit, he, on the inside, he looked at him and said, do you know Jesus as your Savior? The guy said, no. He said, can I pray with you? Would you like to know him? The guy said, yeah. And he had the opportunity to, to grab his hand and lead him in the sinner's prayer. See, those are stories that I celebrate even more because it's just not something that's happening that God's using me in the pulpit ministering to people and I love that but I love to see men and women of God in the routine of life being used by God to make a difference amen amen so the say the oil doesn't have to stop with me, the stop with me. so the story is she went back to the prophet of God and said to Elisha what do we need to do now and he said sell all the oil that's in the containers pay off the debt and live on you and your sons live on this money for the rest of your life. That's a reward. Because she didn't ask for increase, she asked for debt cancellation. She looked for a little help, and God gave her an instruction that made no sense. He asked her to go borrow. That was the method that actually got her in the problem. So he didn't ask her to do something new, he asked her to do something that didn't work before, but this time it will work different because this time it comes under the instruction from heaven and not a great idea of man. We're in debt, the creditors are come, what do you want us to do? Go borrow, that makes no sense to the natural mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path, and it won't always make sense to the natural mind. I tried that before, the devil will tell you. You've tried that before, it didn't work. Say, last time that was my idea, this time it's God's idea. And she walked away from that experience, not only having debt paid to pay the creditors, but she also became, I'm just going to say it, I don't know for sure, but I just can only imagine, if God's going to do it, He's going to do it big. Say if God's gonna do it, he's gonna do it big. Boy, I like that. If he's gonna do it, he's gonna do it big. He's not gonna I believe that she walked away, not only have her, her debt canceled, I believe she became the richest one in her town. Yeah. Why not? If it came from the oil and the oil was multiplied, so in closing, what's the subtle instruction that she had that can help us in receiving? What's that subtle instruction? Now let's throw this verse on the screen. Hallelujah. Elisha said to her, verse 2, chapter 4, 2 Kings Amplified Translation, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have of value in the house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a small jar of olive oil. Then he said, go borrow containers from all your neighbors, empty containers, not just a few. From this passage, the Lord dropped in my heart another subtle instruction, if we will. Subtle instruction that comes out of this. What shall I do? We've talked about in the last series that God will always use what you have of value, what you have in your hand. That's a principle throughout Scripture. Scripture. Let's feed the 5,000 men and women, or 5,000 men, not counting women and children. What do you have? Jesus said, We don't have anything but a little boy's lunch. Moses stood before the flaming bush and God said, What do you have in your hand? I have nothing but this rod. God will start with what you have. So the reason I say that is I want to say it this way. She had enough to see the miracle begin. The, the, the prophet did not ask her, Now here's what you need to do take your oil. And go borrow some more oil from your neighbors. And if you get a gallon full of oil, then come back and talk to me. He didn't get her to change what she had. He started with what she had. And what she had was enough for the miracle to begin. Say, what I have is enough for God to do the impossible. The devil will get you to look at what you have as insignificant. In every situation, the response was, we don't have enough. We don't have it. We don't have anything. All I have, I have nothing except a little bit of oil. We have nothing but a little boy's lunch. What is the problem? The tactic of the enemy is to get you to see and disqualify what you have in your hand. But you have to understand, God's not looking for something major in your hand. He's looking for something available in your hand. Lord, I make my life available to you. I make my gift available to you. I might not have much, but I make it available to you. I give my tithes or offerings, I make it available to you. It doesn't seem important to all the things that are happening in the world, but I make it available. God's not asking you to change what you have to start the miracle. He did not ask her to change what she had to start the miracle. Are you listening to me? He did ask her to change how she could contain it, the miracle. She did not have enough, though she had enough to start the miracle, she did not have enough to contain the miracle. And so before he started the miracle, he said, we need to work on something. We need to work on your ability to receive and contain what I'm bringing to you. God, I've been sowing. Why am I not reaping? Have you- are you skilled enough to begin to contain what he has for you? One of that things in beginning to contain what God has for you. Because some of us, we're like, oh, I'm just believing God's going to give me a million dollars and I'll tithe. If you don't tithe on a hundred, you won't tithe on a million. If I had 50 employees, if you can't handle 30, if you can't handle three employees, you'll not handle 50. We have to be skilled at containing and receiving. Do you see my point? So the prophet said, basically, you have enough in your hand to start the miracle. But before I start the miracle, because it's not important just to have it, and you see the miracle happening, we want you to be able to contain it, receive it. And so God says, I'm a rewarder, and, but I'm not a waster. All right, all right, God is a rewarder, but not a waster. Did, it, did not Jesus tell the disciples, now, after all these guys have eaten, I want you to go out and pick up all the fragments, that nothing be wasted. Say, God's a rewarder, but not a waster. One of the areas for us to contain it, and this is just one of several, and we'll get into more later. This is one of several, but this is an important point. You know what the problem was? Everything was small in her eyes. Notice that verse. I don't have, I'm your maidservant, and I have nothing in the house except a small jar. She carried nothing but a small jar. She held nothing but a small jar, and when he said, "You have a small jar, that's enough to get it started, but I need for you to be able in a position to receive what I'm about to bring in your life. What do you have to receive it?" Somewhere in that conversation, she had to say, "I don't have anything." He said, "I need you to go get something bigger. I need you to have a bigger jar. How big is your jar, Church? How big is your mindset? How big is your believing? How big is your expectation? As long as you think your life is little, don't be praying for big, but begin to say, Lord God, I've been thinking little. I've been thinking small. I've seen my life as little, but I know that with you, you're El Shaddai. You're the God of more than enough. And I'm, I'm going to begin to believe that I receive, but I'm going to begin to change my perspective. You know what she was doing? Where were her pots? Yeah. Where were the pots? Did she have some, or did she sell them? Did she sell them for money to pay a debt that it would not pay? Because she felt like there'd be no use for it in her future. All right, all right. I just have a little oil. I got a little pot and it has a little oil. I'll never need that. I'll never use that. That's more than I'll ever have need of. What was she doing? She was selling her future because she had no hope. Come on. come on, on. Is she... We know that we receive by faith. Hebrews 6:12 and Hebrews 11.33. And Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us faith is a substance of things hoped for. If our expectation is little, we can't be expecting God to do the big. Right. Right. We tell people if, if you can't walk and you're believing in God to heal you for walk, go buy some running shoes. Why? Because I'm expecting. I believe God's going to heal me. What are we doing to increase our hope to walk this thing out? Let God show you. Just don't make stuff up. Pastor, I bought 50 shoes. Now what? I didn't tell you to buy 50 shoes. What am I I telling you? We have to regain hope before our faith can be activated. We have to walk this thing out and begin to say, Lord, I just thank you, Father God, that that your word says this. And so, Lord, I'm gonna begin to believe the impossible. I'm gonna begin to dream big. I'm not gonna see my life as small. I'm gonna be living large in the name of Jesus. When I come through this, I'm gonna be living large. David said, What is the reward to those who, what is the reward to the one who takes down this giant? Why? Because he knew to obey God in the battles of life brought an increase of reward. When you begin to say, okay, God, I'm expecting more. Where's the more you going to put it? Right. For us to be in the subtle instruction he was given her, you have enough to start the miracle, but you are yet to be at the place of receiving the miracle. Right. And God is a rewarder, not a waster. Right. And so I want you to go, and I want you to go borrow from people. Aren't you glad you have some people in your life? Yes. I like like to think of it this way. You don't borrow from everybody. You need to get around people that will speak into your life. You need people that will encourage you, that will speak to your destiny, your future, not your past and your mistakes. One thing I love about Hope Church is we love God and we love people and we will speak what God is saying about you in your life. We can look at a broken situation and say it doesn't have to stay broken. You are the healed of the Lord. You are whole. You are the head and not the tail. What are we doing? You might look and say I'm not the head. I'm the tail. God say no, I see it differently. And what are we doing? We are speaking God's word into your life because faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing. It's a seed planted. Faith comes by hearing. We're planting the seed. We're speaking to your future. Not every church is the same church. You just don't need to to go to any church. You need to find the right church. You need to find a church. And if you're visiting, we welcome you to join us as part of a family. Because if you're in a church that's telling you that God's trying to steal and kill, we're telling you the Word of God says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, John ten ten. But God, but Jesus has come that you might have life and life more abundantly. What am I saying? You need to be in a church that's speaking life into you. Yes. Well, you know, it, the church is like 1.3 miles farther than I'm comfortable driving. How far away is your house? 1.4 miles then you're, cher- you're searching for convenience, not destiny. Pastor David Oyedopo out of Lagos, Nigeria, had a church of a couple thousand, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to relocate the church. He said, where do you want us to go? And he showed him. He said, God, there's nobody who's going to come out to these jungles. Why would we go there? You're making it hard. You're going to devastate my minister, Lord. But he obeyed. Yeah. Push a button and move to the future. The reason God sent him out to the, the jungles away from everybody is because God exploded his ministry of such nature. His auditorium alone has 53,000 seats in it, and he does four services on Sunday. They say it takes an hour to drive the campus. Sometimes we're like, God, this makes no sense. It's going to make it harder on people. God says, you don't understand the place of what I have for you. Because, he, because the place to receive was too small for his feet, where yes. his feet was standing. And God said, I'm going to move you. And from his natural perspective, written in his own books, from his natural perspective, he looked and said, this is going to devastate. There is no way. Why am I going so far away? It wasn't he's going so far away. God was bringing him to such a big place. Yes. And people ride the buses, people drive, people walk. They get there. Why? Because there's something different there than in the other places. Yes. We need the words of life. We need, As we get the word of life, you know what's going to happen? As we hear the word, it's going to begin to build hope. What, I'm telling you, if you're fasting and praying and spending time with the word during this 21 days, here's one of the things, one of the many things, but one of the things that's going to happen, you're going to begin to believe again. Yes. You're going to begin to dream again. Amen. You're going to begin to have a big vision again. You're going to begin to see things differently again. You might thought, "Oh, I remember when I was young and energetic, and I, used, woo, I used to be so excited about what God was going to do." But now I've kind of matured and I've had a level down. No, no, you're going to have that fire start up again. You're going to begin to say, "Wait a minute, my life is just not by routine. I'm just not here to pay bills and look like everybody else and be like everybody else. I'm here to make a difference." Are you with me, church? I'm telling, I'm speaking over your life. Arise, shine, for the light has come. You're getting ready to change. I said it before, now I'm saying prophetically. You're getting ready in this year. Are you? listen to me in the name of jesus you're getting ready to change your position you are getting ready to change positions in life you're ready you're getting ready to go to the next level are you listening to me today Are you listening to me? You're getting ready to see God do the impossible. Why? Because you're just not pursuing Him. You're beginning to open up and say, God, dream through me. This is not using your imagination. This is opening up and let the Holy Spirit breathe into you and dream through you. And you begin to see, wait a minute, I don't have to stay at this level. God's called me to this level. Amen. Hallelujah. That's even happened for me. In this past, just in the first week of fasting and praying, the Lord brought back to me a a prophecy that was given to me years ago in ministry when we just had a couple hundred people. And and Brother Ted Shuttlesworth, who is and operates in the function of a prophet. There's a lot of people who say they're prophets and they're not. But in in a service one day, he pointed and said, God's showing me and telling you, you're going to go from 2,500 to 5,000 to 10,000. I thought that was great. That sounds like good to me. But the Lord this week dropped in my heart, you're not pressing in for it. You're not leaning into it. Sometimes we're like, we'll get excited about it. We'll pray about it. We'll thank God for it. We'll be grateful for it. And we sit back and go, kumbaya, Lord. Kumbaya, Lord, to me. Lord, place in my heart. You've got to start leaning into it. Yeah. Whatever, God's, whatever God's spoken to you, it's not to have a crowd. There's a lot of crowds. I've moved way past trying to get a crowd to impress people with a crowd. In fact, when I, I've had pastor friends, and the Lord dealt with me personally, when they tell, ask, hey, how's your church doing? How many people you have? Isn't that funny how pastors want to know that? Yeah. <laughs> and one time, a, a dear man of God, one, one of my fathers in the faith, I would say, uh, in the area and I, and I told him and God was blessing and increase and I saw something happen. It didn't encourage them as I thought it would. It discouraged them because the human nature is to compete and compare. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. indeed. And Lord, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit will correct you and improve you. Folks, it doesn't stop. If you're like, the Lord doesn't correct me about anything. Maybe he, that's a bad sign and not a good sign. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because my Bible says that he corrects all that are his children and he doesn't correct you with the pain of the natural, he corrects you by the conviction of the spirit for God is spirit and it is uncomfortable if you ever had the Holy Spirit convict you about something, you almost say smack me with something else Lord (laughs) because I don't want, but But that's how the Lord corrects and directs. So when you step out, he'll say, hey, if you're open to it. And so the Lord dealt with me years ago. I don't don't answer that question. Because it either competes or compares or causes people to lie. Preachers I'm talking about. And they'll inflate stuff. Trying to impress you we got to move past trying to impress people. If you only want to be blessed to impress people, then you're missing it out. God wants you to be blessed to impact people. Yes. If you only want to be successful so you can impress people, oh, I'm going to show those people back home that I am somebody. No, that's, that's, that's not the goal. If you become successful so that you can impact people, watch what God will do. Amen. When it's all about Him. When you're, when you're healed, when you're happy, not so that you can laugh at No, 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 we're here to impact people. You're like, well, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church that that's big. Well, not, you need to be part of a church that's that big because we need that many people to help the new people that are coming in because I'm not interested in taking people from fish of one tank into another tank. That's that kingdom building. No, right. uh, my church is growing. Yeah, you still have the church of another church. using gimmicks and games that you have to keep up just to maintain them. I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to be wearied and worn out trying to think of the next gimmick to get people to show up. I learned from Pastor Jesse Ramos, who's our national director over in the Philippines. We've had up to 200 hope churches in the Philippines. I talked to him on a weekly basis. And at one, one time I was there, we were doing a huge conference. And we had thousands of people come to this crusade. And I asked him, Pastor Jesse, is your church going to follow up with all these people that just got saved? And he said the most interesting thing, he said, no. And my first knee-jerk reaction is, well, you can't leave baby Christians out there. they need to be followed up with. And he said, Pastor Greg, he goes, my staff doesn't do it. We teach the people to not only be in, to invite them, their friends, we, in, we teach them to invest yes. in their friends. There you, go. There you, go. you want to know how the church and the body of Christ grows? Not from a pastor leading people to the Lord and then follow it up. Do you know if I have my staff call someone who just gets saved at the end of the day, are you listening? Because we do, we do things different and people disagree and that's okay. Do you know why we don't have our staff call people who just got saved? Because I like to know who in this room likes a cold call. <laughs> <laughs> a stranger calling you on the phone and you didn't expect it and they're talking to you. What do you want to say? Who are you? Right. What do you do when a friend calls? So as a church, if we can be inviters and invite people to church, but then when you see your friend get saved, be an investor. Yeah. The journey didn't stop. Now it's your responsibility to say, hey, let me help you. Do you need a Bible? Hey, to? let's go to the lunch after church next Sunday. What are you doing? You are sowing into other people. Right. This can't be a church, and this is a wonderful church, by the way. I'm not bashing anybody else. I'm just saying, this is, God is doing something very special here at Hope Church. Yes. But we can't be a church that we go in and, and sometimes invite or just let somebody do it, or we invite somebody and then we let them alone. No, we need to invite them and then we need to invest in them. Yeah. That we're all discipling somebody. Why? Because he wants us to re- be the receiver, but the releaser of the reward. Amen. And we need to think big. We need to think big in your finances. Think big in your health. Think big in your marriage. Begin to dream big. You're not a small person. You're a large person. You're a big time. John 15, 7, 8, and 6, verse 16. But John 15, verse 16, specifically, Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. That you should go and bring forth fruit, which tells me before you were born, he had ordained things for you to do. See, I'm a, big time I'm a big time producer in the kingdom of God for the glory of God. God is a rewarder. He is. We got to begin dreaming big again. Catch the vision that God has for you. Catch the vision. In closing, 2023. We talked last week. It's a year of both peace, prosperity, and expansion. Comes out of Isaac sowed in the land. A year of El Shaddai. God is more than enough. Yes. Let's begin to raise and dream big. Raise our expectation and dream big. Amen. Let that kite fly high. Why are you believing for such big things? Because my God's a big God. Yes. Amen? Amen. Say, he's more, Shout, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. Can you dream for it? Because faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for. We need hope. Yeah. We need hope. If I keep with small pots, I can't have big oil. Ooh, that was good. That came from the Holy Ghost. So I'll have to say that again if I can remember it. If I, keep, if I stay with small pots, I can't have big oil. Some of it, we need to get around big thinkers. We need to go out to, around people and get around people that are, that are big thinkers, that live big. Why? Because we're letting it rub, on, rub off on us. You need to go to your neighbors. The ones that are big thinkers. Because only big thinkers have big pots. Yep. Can't have big oil with small pots. There you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have to say in the natural, I think I did pretty good for not having eaten. Amen. <laughs> no food. I sure like the physical energy that comes from food, but I'd rather have a stronger anointing that comes from the Word. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Bow your head, close your eyes. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, only you can answer this question. And the way you process and the way you experience, is Jesus Christ real to you today? That you know for yourself that He's your Lord and Savior. Only you can answer that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're saying, Pastor, I do not know him in a real and personal way. Maybe you just thought church is about to-dos and things you had to do and can't do. No, it's a relationship that affects everything you do. Maybe it's the first time you heard the gospel. Or maybe you've allowed stuff to come between you and God and you know your heart's not right. This is your opportunity, your moment, your day. Tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow, you can have peace on the inside. That heavy, dark cloud that's been riding over your head can be gone. You can know that you're going to heaven and your sins are forgiven. How do I do that? Jesus said in Revelation three, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans five says, "With with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I'm gonna lead you in a simple, short prayer that will have an eternal, powerful impact. Say this prayer if you wanna know Him. Say this prayer if you wanna come back to Him. Say this prayer if you wanna be saved. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross, for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and my life And I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Lord, we surrender everything to you as that song's playing. We hold nothing back. Everything belongs to you. We surrender everything so that we can have and walk in your goodness. And we come out better i surrender all i surrender all all to you my lord and savior surrender all hallelujah sing it right there we got. time let's sing it to the lord i believe god's doing no work in somebody's life right now we lay everything at your feet lord jesus you sound beautiful sing to the lord burden that's been on your life I curse and breaking, a I command it to come off in Jesus name we set you free by the peace of God in Jesus name thank you Lord hallelujah hallelujah hallelujah